Hi, I'm Shreen Fatik, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to marketing leaders who are changing the industry one decision at a time, be it figuring out new growth paths for DTC brands, applying new technologies, or the importance of agencies. There's a lot to unpack. And joining me this week is Eric Toda, head of marketing at Hill City, the men's activewear brand incubated secretly inside Gap. Launched only a few months ago, Hill City is Gap's attempt to capitalize on the growth of Athleta and to test new direct-to-consumer brand with some pretty interesting marketing methods. I talked to Eric about customer engagement loops, chatbot technology, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Eric. Welcome to Making Marketing. Hey, Shireen. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you. So I, I think you have had kind of a really fascinating year, you know, sort of building Hill City uh, within Gap Inc. And what exactly and how exactly that came together. Um, I thought we could start from the beginning because that's usually a good place to start. Tell me a little bit about, you know, joining and joining the company to build this brand and what sort of, you know, the first few days looked like and what your vision was. Yeah. Um, like all beginnings, it's it's definitely an interesting one just because um, just because of how this idea came to be. You know, one of the things that Gap Inc. is, is really known for is, is very future-focused. How do we find the customer wherever they are, and are we satisfying them across the entire market? And what they identified how long before they approached us uh, was there was a space in the market to, to build um, a men's active and lifestyle brand. How it came to be, what it looked like, how do you approach the customer? It was still a big question mark, but mm-hmm. it was it was something that they're like, this is an opportunity, and I think I think we I, I think we should be able to build this. Um, and it's really interesting because you you're seeing a lot of bigger um, bigger companies buy innovation or mm. buy smaller companies, and that's that's become very avant garde. You know, and I think one of Gap's, to Gap's credit, um, what they saw is they could, but they have so much leverage internally and so much learnings. And they're based in Silicon Valley where you have a great big talent pool where you can build, you know, a team and, you know, pretty efficiently. And so, you know, the beginning, it starts in a really empty conference room. You know, it doesn't start in a garage. It doesn't start <laughs> in an empty warehouse. You know, like like someone's like the, basement. The yeah, like <laughs> so someone's door room. You know, um, it's, it's, it starts in an empty conference room, hmm. and it was the first time that um, a lot of us ha- were together. Um, and I say a lot of us; it was three of us, and it was Calvin Leung, who you should absolutely talk to. He's 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 brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, he's our head of creative. Um, and so he can he comes into the conference room completely empty, no furniture, Noah Palmer. He's our, he's our general manager, mm-hmm. um, another great one you should speak to, uh, and myself. And we all came together because we, we heard about the opportunity, you know, we were approached in many different ways, but we came together saying like, yes, I, I think that something does need to exist in the market that, that isn't necessarily satisfied today. Mm-hmm. And that's a men's active and lifestyle brand that truly represents where the market is today, mm-hmm. um, but also who the market is today. Um, I think you see a lot of brands um, and a lot of companies still skew more towards that hyper masculinity. Sure. Toward, towards more of that, um, toward, towards more of the realm that represented what men should be of yesterday. And that's actually where we started. That's exactly where we started. Like, okay, let's take a look at every single men's brand and say, like, where, where is that? 
where where are they right now and does it reflect today and and you found that there was clearly a gap yeah totally i you know we looked at every single facet of the guy's life of yesterday whether that was what does success mean to him yesterday what does success mean to him now and a lot of times you, you start to see these these large leaps in the evolution of guys um you know and yet yesterday a lot of what he cared about was uh was either financial success was having things um was about muscles and strength and all these different uh, symbols that that felt overly masculine. And today, you know, I look at, you know, what we started saying is like, okay, well, what about us? Like, do we represent, do we still represent those ideals? And, and the answer was not really, you know, um, we're all new dads. And what we really gauge success on is, is not necessarily like how much money we're accumulating, how many, how many toys we're buying. Um, it's more like, how much time are we spending with our families and are we, are we actually good fathers? Um, and if we're good fathers and if we're good guys, like how does that transcend into, you know, what we put in our bodies, you know, like, mm-hmm. are, are we eating right? Like, are we exercising? Are, are, are we doing all these different things that um, haven't necessarily been addressed? Um, but they, we saw them in contrast to what was yesterday and what was yesterday was, okay, I have the red sports car. Right. I have the red sports car. I have the I have the Rolex watch. Um, I have all these different things that, that symbolize I'm successful. Mm-hmm. And in, in contrast to today, you're like, I don't have any of those things. I drive an electric car. You know, I drive an electric car. I eat healthy. I exercise as literally as much as I can, you mm-hmm. know, with an 11 month old. But I, I, I care a lot about, you know, who I am as a teammate, who I am as a friend, you know, I, am I self-aware enough to know where I can, you know, do work on myself on? Um, and those are things that just weren't addressed yesterday. So you kind of actually bring up two really interesting cultural kind of moments that um, before we keep going with the story, I, I want to explore because I think that has a lot to do with how you and your team approach this brand. Because one is obviously kind of I think there is a sort of a changing understanding of masculinity and femininity. And the second is kind of this this changing understanding of wellness and fitness that you're seeing, you know, spill through into almost every category right now. I mean, whether it's mm-hmm. beauty and I think, you know, the definition of beauty is changing and beauty brands are kind of catching up and trying to get ahead of that. And you've seen that happen across fitness, across lifestyle. And these two have kind of come together to me, it sounds like, and that's where this brand was born, that you've got these two cultural forces and you're saying we need to make a brand that answers and is part of that and can't be from a different time. Correct. Yeah, we wanted to make a, a brand that represents today and and hopefully represents, you know, the forward progress of tomorrow and, and where, where we want to go. And and I, and I think that's where we really came down to it of, is if this is what brands represent yesterday, how do we build a brand that represents today, but not just today, it represents ourselves. And I think this is where you hear a lot about if you listen to, you know, I've listened to a lot of uh, your previous conversations is mm-hmm. how do you build a passion brand? You know, you, you, mm-hmm. and, and I think building a passion brand really comes down to, do you have a purpose? Does that purpose uh, align with your core values, you know, as a, and, and, and personal values as, as, as a team? Um, and how do you let that come to life and shine? And I think when we started identifying all the ways that we wanted to 
we wanted a brand to represent us. So when we wear the logo, mm-hmm. uh, we know that it represents not just what we're wearing, but also our values. That's where Hill City was, was really born from. It was born from an idea that, you know, high performance uh, has has these definitions of yesterday that, that, that are so siloed into whether athleticism, whether that's success, whether that's finances. Mm-hmm. We think high performance can actually mean all things, but it's not really up to us to redefine it. It's up to us to help build a, you know, hopefully build a community that can redefine it. And so that's where high performance redefined came from. And and you were building this brand. I, I love that sort of people, you know, and I think you mentioned to yourself, it's sort of a secret brand within Gap, which <laughs> I think is great. But, and you were also building yeah. it within a really big company, a really big company with lots of different, with, you know, a, other brands and a lot of different ways of doing things and a lot of different things that are happening around you. And then you're sort of this, you know, group within that company. How did kind of that relationship, especially during kind of this early phase as it was still still being built, how did that relationship work between your team and then the wider kind of gap uh, team and gap structure around it? Uh, to be honest with you, yeah, it was, it, we, we did building, you know, a lot of people call it a secret brand, but a lot of people didn't know about us. And I would say the general organization, you know, that as we were building it, were, was really supportive. Every... I can't tell you how many people raise their hands to, to say, how do we help? Like, how do we help make you guys successful? You know, they easily could have said, they're doing something different. Um, let them let them be and, you know, they'll figure it out. But instead, so many different organizations within the Gap Inc. ecosystem raised their hands and said, how do we help you guys be most successful? And that's one of the differentiation points of doing this on our own mm-hmm. and doing it within, obviously, a a a, a bigger company like Gap Inc. is that, you know, I've been in startups and a lot of times, you know, there are different functions of a business that you have to figure out whether that's legal, whether that's accounting, whether that's finances. And being a part of Gap Inc., a lot of those um, are built, a lot of those mm. are solved. And so we can then focus on, um, we can then focus on one, how do we build the brand? Um, but also how do we, continue to augment our brand, you know, towards a go to market, you know, that's that we feel is right for our future customer, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of startups, they just struggle with this, with this push and pull of like, okay, great. You need these organizational structures. You need to hire external parties. You know, you need to hire a law, a law firm. We didn't need to do any of that. You so got to figure out health that. insurance. You got health insurance, mm-hmm. HR. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, right? That's, that's totally a good one. And I think that, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, I think that we were able to focus so much on showing up in the what we believe was um, the right way to do our brand justice for you know our future consumer is because we just we were allowed that creativity and not be you know, bogged down with you know um, other other things that could pull us away from that. And all of this is happening is sort of, if you look at, you know, just the marketing or the market around us right now, there's probably more new brands being developed than ever before. I mean, you're seeing kind of a new brand, whatever that really means. It might simply just be like via an Instagram ad, right? Like, I don't know how Mm -hmm. big that brand is, but there's new brands being developed every day. And it seems like there's no harder time to launch a brand, especially in, you know, certain categories and I, I'd argue probably any apparel category in that than ever before. 
how did that sort of that idea kind of, you know, I'm sure you were looking around and looking at all of these brands around you that are being launched constantly. Did any of, did any of those lessons kind of play a part as you were building this? Because you're looking at the best of both worlds here, potentially. I mean, yeah, you, you definitely have the benefit of taking experience, but also seeing what's happening in the market today. And, you know, seeing the successes and failures of new brands, uh, direct-to-consumer brands, what, what is going right and what isn't. And, and you're right, there's so many brands launching today just because, you know, to be honest with you, there's so many great ideas. And who's to say that they shouldn't be here? And so I think the thing is, is that when we were building Hill City, we looked at one, what is, what is our point of view on a, on a crowded marketplace, not just as retail or apparel, but as direct-to-consumer? Like, what is our point of view? Um, two, how, do, how should we reach our, our customer, um, and how should we build a brand with them? And I think that's a lot of where we started to build uh, our brand, not just as a brand to them, but a brand with them. And that's when we started developing a lot of the co-creation ideas that you see that you've seen come to life with us, whether that's our wear testing program. So our our wear testing program is not uncommon from many other wear Mm -hmm. testing programs outside of the fact that I don't hide and we don't hide who these guys are. We allow you to to apply. So let's explain. Let's explain how this works for people who may not know. Totally. For sure. So the the wear the wear testing program is an idea that you know many new brands they when they start off prototyping their product they they find like a group of friends and that group of friends get the product and they ask them okay what did you like about it what would you change about it <clears throat> and one of the things that we did was we found you know a few people and we did exactly that we gave them a pair of pants they said i love the pants the waistband's a little itchy can you take a look at it we did and we're like, well, how can we make this better? And they're like, well, the waistband's two pieces right now. If you made it one piece like my sweatpants, I think it would be the most perfect pants in the world. We did it. He puts it on. He loves it. And he's like, I love it. Like, these, pants are, these pants are now made for me. And I think a lot of people are going to like them. And we're like, that's a really interesting idea of just like inviting people in, getting their feedback, creating product for them, problem solving with them to the point where that waistband is now patent pending. Um, which is fantastic, but we're like, how do we distribute this, not just to five people or four people that we know, but how do we distribute this to anybody? Hmm. And so we started thinking like, well, our brand is brand new. Our brand is brand new. No one knows who we are. Why don't we just invite as many people who want to you know, come along with the journey with us to help us build product, to help us make our product you know, iterations uh, better and more efficient and more comfortable. Because I think when we launched our first product, we're like, this is really, really good. Now let's like get feedback in. Now let's start building, you know, the next version of the product with, with our community. And, and that so, feedback can appear in what forms? How do they, I mean, I assume there's, totally. there's sort of some built-in marketing here too. I mean, if I <laughs> wore this and then I can Instagram it and so on and so forth. Think, and you're talking pretty authentic, right? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a level of it. But I think if you look at what marketing should represent in general, it's just the voice of the consumer. And that's that's never changed, right? And I think like this really takes it to a literal degree of like what is the voice of the uh, what is who is the voice of the customer and, and the consumer, and how do you not just reflect, you know, what they're saying back to them in advertising or anything like that? How do you actually take in that feedback? And you know, as a really small team, we're like, if we're going to distribute this to anybody that that wants to take a part in in our warehousing program, how do we scale this? And that's when we use technology of today, you know, using um, chatbots 
over over you know different social platforms where you can just DM us or, or message us, and you're taken through an application process to be a wear tester. But you're not. It doesn't just end there. Once you get your product, you can add feedback directly into that experience. You know, through a chatbot with a sliding scale, and you type, and all that information gets mm-hmm. called down and sent right back to our product team. So then we actually can put that into action. And I love that you said chatbots too. Are chatbots back? <laughs> um, they never left. You know, <laughs> they never left. I, I, I think that it's just about seeing what a practical application of technology looks like versus what's always been done. And that's been a big driving mantra for us, you know, whether that's in product, whether that's in design, whether that's in marketing, of just like, let's look at what's always been done. And now let's rethink that. Let's redefine what that looks like overall. And, you know, when we looked at chatbots, it, it did offer us a lot of scale. It allowed, it allowed mm-hmm. us to automate a ton of the conversations, you know, with our, you know, with our growing community. And two, it's allowed us to, uh, to automate all the feedback that they're giving us so that we can just spot trends, so that we can just say, okay, cool, you know, uh, everybody loves the waistband or the pants mm-hmm. are too small or the T-shirt, um, it may be too lightweight. It allows us to scale out our product creation process with, with a growing community of, you know, right now it's a little under 30,000 applicants large wow. um and 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 scale that to, to to provide as much feedback so then we become a, a brand that you've built with us versus a brand that we've built for you and is this something that you envision will be will be an ongoing thing this isn't something that's just happening right now because you're still new no i think co-creation and i think building a community is it goes hand in hand um i think people People look for communities today, and I think this is why, you know, the internet is is so great is because it brings people together that wouldn't necessarily be together anyway. Um, and if you could bring those people together and you give them a voice and you use that you use that platform to to bring out new ideas to change the directions of companies, um, I think it's really special. And so I I look at the type of engagement that we're seeing today over our social platforms or even just with our wear testing program. Mm -hmm. And it's so encouraging because people are so passionate about giving feedback. They're so passionate about, uh, you know, you know, pushing for us to succeed that it's infectious. And I think that we are, we are allowing that to grow super organically, but we are also so excited to see like what happens next. Like, where do they want us to show up? You know, Mm -hmm. you know, where do they want us to take the, you know, take the brand? But there's still kind of core tenets of the brand that you, you know, wouldn't change. I mean, the reason I'm sort of curious also about, you know, how long this goes is because one of the most interesting things to me um, with, again, watching all of these new brands that have sprung up in the last year or two years is kind of also watching them grow up in a way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing more and more of these, uh, what began as DTC or digitally native brands, open storefronts now, or you're seeing them at least dabble in um, physical stores through pop-ups and then potentially open storefronts. In some ways, a lot of them are starting to look just, and maybe that's, this is because scale is kind of necessitating this. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are starting to look like traditional retailers, right? Um, and why, I mean, why, A, my first question would be sort of why do you think that's happening? Is that just kind of what happens when you kind of get bigger and you realize you have to, you know, the customer might actually need a physical store? Um, and how much of that is actually, no, there's some things we won't change because we are trying to build something new. We don't want everything to just look the way sure. everyone else looks. Like our our core philosophy, and this is actually like a gapping philosophy, mm-hmm. is that we put the customer at the center of of everything that that we do, and and I think the customer for us 
helps us one learn, but also understand where they want us to show up. And I think that's the beauty of being a direct to consumer brand is that you know the customer so well. Like, you We've know got all so that first well. party data. Ton of first party data, but also especially when when you start layering that on with like a wear tester program, where sure. you start to really engage with them over Instagram, for example, mm-hmm. you really start to become a brand that listens. And I think this is what brands of today are really, really good at, specifically direct to consumer brands. And I think like, you know, just because you're you're just digitally native or you're direct to consumer doesn't mean you can't listen when when one of your customers raises their hand and says, "I wish you were in X Y Z city." I wish you were here. And you start to ask them and you have a conversation with them. Like, why, why is that? And like, well, I want to touch the product. I want to try on the product. You know, I think it's, I think it's really convenient that I could get you anytime I want 24 seven, 365, but there is a human aspect of touching and feeling the product that, you know, is, is, is pretty unmatched. And so I think like when you look at a lot of brands of today, especially direct to consumer brands, like open up pop-ups or retail presences, that doesn't surprise me just because there's such a, there's such a human need to touch yes. and feel and see. What about um, when it comes to how you advertise? Because again, some of these brands, you know, were kind of born, you yeah. mentioned Instagram, you know, just felt like they were born on Instagram. And it, Instagram <laughs> in some ways, it, I mean, I ask, you know, I ask so many of these brands, what do you sort of credit or why do you think your brand sort of did so well today versus another time? And it's like, well, if Instagram hadn't, a existed and had these capabilities, they simply could not have done it. And in some ways, many of them are essentially direct marketing companies too, because they're doing so much marketing via Instagram. And it's been in some ways a lifeblood for them. How does kind of the sort of platform role with, you know, building a brand like Hill City, um, does it affect it? Do you do you kind of see these two things as being intertwined in some ways? Um, no, I don't think it affects it too much. Mm-hmm. I, I look at it like, Instagram specifically is a is it's extremely visual. It's always been right, and, and I think that the natural evolution of, of storytelling has become way more visual than than text based. You know, I, I think when you look at the the advent of you know, social media, if you want to call it that, um, it was it was heavily text, and then it became visual. And you know, we are we're a visual society. That's what we react to. That's you know, that's where you can generate a lot of emotion. And so I look at these brands that are, that are, that are pretty prolific on, on Instagram and it makes total sense. You know, people are engaged. They love to see beautiful imagery. They love to see sight, sound and motion. And you could deliver it in a way that, um, one is condensed up. It's relatively fleeting. Um, but you can articulate your message really quickly. And when we looked at Instagram, you know, what we, the only thing we asked ourselves is if we have a presence on Instagram, you know, we should use it exactly like how we ourselves should use it because that's natural and, and, and we can create not just, you know, repurpose TV spots or repurpose, you know, print advertising, but instead we could create content specifically for the channel that we ourselves would create anyway, whether we were a brand or not. And I think that's been the beauty of Hill City on, on Instagram is when we do something on the platform, mm-hmm. we're doing it as if we're doing it ourselves. Like last week, we we, we posted an, an Instagram story where, Whoever's following us can vote on what hat we're gonna we're, we're going to build next summer. Okay, you know that's gonna release next summer, uh-huh. and that's so cool because you're <laughs> able to ha- you're able to tap into a focus group um, that's engaged, that has a vested interest in your brand, that wants to see you succeed, and they're voting. They're literally voting on the future of the business itself, and I, and that was an idea from Calvin that 
that, you know, Luke, our head of design, you know, just wanted feedback. And we're just like, let's just post it on, on Instagram and see what happens. So it's extremely, it's extremely lightweight, but it, I think that lightweight uh, relieves a lot of pressure to engage. Um, and if you take that engagement as directional or good signals of your brand, you, you build a presence that's just really authentic. And so I'm not, I'm not at all surprised that a lot of brands are on that on the platform today. How has um, how does kind of your marketing work? Um, sort of how does kind of paid play a role? How do you see it playing a role as kind of you grow? I mean, paid paid definitely plays a, you know a, a good role in showing our brand to people who may not know about it yet. So acquisition, mm-hmm. you know, I think acquisition for any direct to consumer brand is is really important. Just and really expensive. They're only, yeah, and really expensive, <laughs> and because like you you don't have a lot of venues to you know define new and engaged audiences, and so there's definitely a a a place for our organic um but that's not to say that we can't use our organic as acquisition mm-hmm. and we do mm-hmm. you know whether that's taking you know some content that you know was originally intended to be organic but we found good engagement on it and we're like you know what more people need to see this and and, and let's just amplify that specifically speaking there was an amazing story that we told on our on our instagram about this man who um, who survived cancer, but he gets really cold. And he started asking questions about, you know, how how insulated is our Sherpa line jacket? And instead of us just responding back and forth to him over direct message, we're like, you know what, let's just send him one of the jackets and see what, you know, and see, see if he even likes it. He responds back to us once he got the jacket. He's like, this is the best, this is one of the best jackets I've ever worn. Mm-hmm. And here's here's a few pictures of me on on my ranch in Montana. And all we did was just retell his story. We just retold the story of how he survived cancer, you know, how he used to be, you know, a, a wrestler in college. And it was really beautiful. And what we found was a lot of people were engaging with that, telling us more people need to see this, more people need to see this. And paid helped us put that exact story in front of in way front more of people, people. Mm-hmm. that that wouldn't necessarily see it otherwise. And I think I think paid acts as a way for us to one attract more people, you know, to our like-minded people, to our brand, but also just show off, you know, what, what, what we're doing every single day. So you've obviously, you've kind of got this, you've got this team very focused on, you know, this one brand within the larger, within the larger Gap family. Obviously you've, you mentioned, you know, you've worked at startups before, you've worked inside big companies Mm -hmm. before. How has kind of your sort of understanding of your leadership style in kind of being a marketer changed with this experience because I think that you're sort of you know you're you're run you're owning a brand you're not simply marketing a brand when it comes to this and I think that's that's a shift in marketing across the board that we're seeing more and more across companies um anything anything there that changed through this experience just talking about the genesis of this of this brand in itself we we wanted to build a brand that represented us you know that that represented the the change that a lot of brands, you know, weren't showing, you know, to us. And so I think the biggest change for, for us specifically was that, yes, we, we, in another job, we're just marketing a brand that was created way before us, or we're designing for a brand that was created way before us. We're living this brand like every single day. And a lot of what we're seeing right now, it's really interesting is that we're not just living the brand. It's that, we're living through the brand. So when I wear a lot of our product or when, you know, Calvin wears a lot of our product, he's giving feedback in real life situations because he's a, you know, he's, he's commuting and, you know, he's running the meeting, the meeting. And if he, if he's like, you know what, I think our pants need to be more breathable. 
uh, he gives that to the product team and the product team actions on it. And I think like, because we're living the brand, that's just a complete perspective change because you know that you're not just assuming based on focus, focus groups or little data points here and there that a lot of decisions that you make about product are, are right. But instead you're like, mm-hmm. I think this is going to be right because we're actually like full blown living this brand every single day. And our decisions, you know, and decisions that we make mm-hmm. aren't just for, you know, our customers going to our website every single day, but they're also, you know, they're, they're, they're made with, with the hope that we ourselves, you know, will, will appreciate these changes that we're making. Well, you're also owning the brand. You're also, you've also got a responsibility to it that, you know, say you're talking about a more traditional kind of marketing organization is a different responsibility. In that case, you're responsible for the marketing, but in some ways you're responsible for what actually happens with the product and if it sells and how much it sells and so on. For sure. Yeah. And I think the ownership of the brand, I think is really interesting just because, you know, you, you were there when it wasn't, when it wasn't there and you're you know i I think that's one of the craziest things in in this entire story is that every time we see someone wear the logo or talk about hill city it's it's an extremely proud moment because you can distinctly remember when that didn't exist Mm -hmm. and 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 i think that's that's a real special testament to you know the team that the team that built the brand the team that continues to build the brand and and, and and a team that you know always talks about the brand like nonstop because we're we're putting so much of our heart into this that it's amazing to know that there are people that that saw the same vision that we did. How has Hill City and its growth kind of you think changed and affected Gap, the wider company around it? What's what's the effect the other way been? And, yeah, I think it's still too early mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I think it's okay. really early. Um, we, we've, we've done a good job with the brand because a lot of people are shocked when I tell them that. They're like, wow, I feel like the brand has been around for, for a lot longer. To be honest, that, it, it does. And that's, you know, there's it definitely feels like it's not an eight-week-old brand for sure. No, but that's the beauty of building it within Gap, uh-huh. Inc., is that is that we were able to take those learnings really early, apply them to the brand so that it feels, you know, it is established. And it, 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 it wasn't, you know, you know, flopping around here and there. It's like we, we had our point of view <laughs> Um, and and then you know, luckily for us, like it's it still continues to land. But I think how it affects you know the larger Gap Inc. TBD and, and, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's so many learnings that, that we're getting in right now on being a direct to consumer brand of 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 how much do we change the website? You know, how do we change navigation? Or mm. you know, where where do we look at placing? Uh, different products here and there across the site that I think when you take a step back and maybe like a year from now or, or how, you know, however much time, you know, we do that. And I, th- I think those learnings will be more beneficial, but right now it's just about learning as fast as we can, as much as we can. Um, and then eventually pulling back to say like, okay, cool. What, what can Gap Inc. really take from this? Excellent. Great. Eric, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like the show, here's what you need to do. Give us a shout out on iTunes or tweet at me. I'm at Shreen Batek on Twitter. You can also send me an email at Shreen at digitally.com. And as a thank you, I'll read my favorite reviews, good or bad, at the end of next week's show. I can't wait to hear what you think. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. <laughs>